Welcome to Around the Writer's Table, a podcast focusing on the crossroads of creativity, craft, and conscious living for writers of all ages and backgrounds. Your hosts are Gina, Melody, and Kim Boo, three close friends and women of a certain age who bring to the table their eclectic backgrounds and unique perspectives on the trials, tribulations, and the joys of writing. So pull up a chair and get comfortable here around the writer's table. Welcome back, everyone, to Around the Writer's Table. I thank you all for joining us today, taking time out of your precious day to hang in there and see what we have to talk about. We're going to talk about more about the creativity cycle today, and Gina's going to tell us about that, but I'm just going to introduce myself. I'm Melody, a scout, and I help my clients find their sense of home by restoring balance and harmony to their lives through plant spirit medicine and my book soul of the seasons uh, available at most online retailers and i'm also a gardener and a landscaper and a general lover of plants uh, welcome everyone and kimbu can you introduce yourself today i can i have my coffee and i'm ready to go I'm Kimbu York. I am a professional author. I write genre uh, fiction, romance fiction, science fiction, fantasy. I am also a uh, productivity coach for writers. I help with accountability and productivity and career design, um, letting people know what they need to do to advance their writing career to the next step. Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of irons in the fires, y'all. <laughs> yes, so, I, do. I know, I know. But that's it. You can always find me on my website, and that link's going to be all over the website when we get done with it. So I won't bore you now. But that's it for me. Just busy writing. I got to add in one more thing, though. What? Yeah. You are the facilitator and creator of the One Million Orts Club. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the One Million Works Club, an online community for writers, membership community for uh, accountability. I know that sounds terrible. It scares a lot of people, but it's really a supportive environment. It's meant for... Super supportive. Yes. Isn't it, though? I just love yeah. it. Um, we're small, but we're mighty, and we're growing, and there'll be more information about that in the show notes as well. But I am really excited about that one because, you know, my goal is always just to help people get to writing like that's the whole point just you got to start somewhere you got to keep going so thank you for reminding me of that gina yeah i've already heard some great buzz on the one million words club so awesome good, good for you yeah all right also joining us this morning is i'm sorry Did no I go ahead <laughs> okay <laughs> welcome readers to the madhouse yes <laughs> oh Feel free to cut this out in the head. <laughs> I'm so not. I'm definitely not. <laughs> Just a couple sandwiches short of a picnic today. All right. <laughs> Gina, my so fellow podcaster. Hi, buds. <laughs> oh, okay, let me get let me get my breath. I'll be happy to. <laughs> 
it's wonderful to be here as always. Um, we, we get to have a lot of laughs together, both on and off the mic. Um, my name is Gina Hogan Edwards and I am a writing retreat leader. I am a writer. I write historical fiction. I have been participating in Kim Boo's One Million Words Club, trying to get words down on the page. And I also support writers, particularly women, in finding their voice and leaning into their creativity. Cool. So that's why we're here today, right? Yeah. What? That's what we're going to talk about today, right? Craft, yes. creativity, and conscious living. That is why we're here. <laughs> So I, many, many years ago, uh, conceived of this idea of, um, I've called it the creativity cycle, the creativity quest is what I'm referring to it as now. And in previous episodes, we've talked about uh, many of the previous stages of that. We are now up to the second I in creativity, because each of these stages, um, you end up with the acronym of creativity uh, in looking at each of these stages. So the one we're going to talk about today is called integrating creative identity. And this is, if you've, if you've not listened to some of the previous uh, episodes where we've talked about this, um, just to give you a couple of highlights, there are 10 stages and the first five are primarily inner work. And we are now into the second five, uh, second set of five. So we're talking about things that involve outer work. And this particular stage of integrating creative identity is really where creativity in the artist's life is no longer compartmentalized from the rest of their life. They don't just um, create under the cover of night, so to speak, <laughs> that they're actually bringing themselves out into the world. And while this has happened to a certain degree in a couple of the previous stages, it's particularly relevant right now because of this integration of, um, you know, looking at their creative life as, as a real part of the whole, rather than it be, being something separate that they kind of keep apart from the other aspects of their lives. So fusing the creative self with the rest of their everyday existence, um, committing to their identity as a creative person in their chosen field, whether that's writing or painting or dancing or sculpting, whatever it happens to be, just that outward wearing of an identity as a creative. No more masks, no more hiding. Um, all of the learning and all the actions and everything that this creative person has done up to this point becomes integrated. And I previously called this stage integrating and dedicating because it requires a dedication to greater productivity and to even greater mastery. Um, the passage through the previous stages up to this point um, bring you to this sort of deeper evolution of your art and of your spirit and of your soul. So it truly is this coming together of all of the parts. One of the things that this stage demands of us is a need to bring the skills of objectively observing ourselves of honesty with the self, which we've talked about in several of the previous stages as we've explored those. 
Um, so it involves some of that same sort of personal review of where we are, where it is that we want to go. Um, we did a lot of this in that inner work stage of assessing and acknowledging um, earlier on. And just as judgment came up there, which was largely, even though we might have been sharing our work a little bit at that stage, uh, because this stage is so much more visible, because you are beginning to do that outward wearing of the um, persona of a creative, judgment really comes up in spades at this stage. <laughs> and along with that comes this feeling of, I've come so far now, and now I'm letting everyone see me as an artist. And so it can feel like there's a lot more to lose if things don't go well. Mm. And if that happens, if things don't go so well, then that may result in a crisis similar to what we talked about in acknowledging and access, uh, assessing, which means that the creative person might fall back into some of their um, bad habits or some of the, the uh, chatter in their head that doesn't move them forward. They may mm. lapse into imposter syndrome or perfectionism. Um, again, it's it's a deeper feeling than it is in that previous stage of assessing and acknowledging because it is so much more public at this point. Mm. Um, the creative might also uh, go back and repeat certain stages like the emulating and mirroring stage in particular, because that can feel like a retreat to safety, you know, following your mentors rather than following your own passions and your skills and your uniqueness, sort of, uh, you know, reverting back into more of a learning stage than a, than a real um, expression stage. Or it might even take the creative all the way back to the caring inner disquiet stage where they're not um, creating it all. Gina, now, I'm going to interrupt you because I'm kind of please, curious please. as, you, as yeah. you go through this. How would you relate this to Stephen Pressfield's idea of resistance with a capital R? Like, is this all part of that? Is it related to that? Would you consider it something completely different? Definitely not different. I think resistance, as Stephen Pressfield talks about it, which, um, you know, some people call it fear. There, there's different names for it, but mm -hmm. he terms it resistance. And it's just that basically that wall that keeps us from creating. And um, I, I think that the way he defines it, that that is something that is always there for every writer. Mm -hmm. It may show up to different um, intensities at different stages, but um yeah, I guess the simple answer to the question is it is relevant at this stage, but mm -hmm. I think it is also relevant at every other stage. It may just present itself differently because as Pressville talks about, resistance with a capital R can be kind of sneaky mm -hmm. and it can show up in different ways for us. Mm -hmm. um, and I do encourage listeners, if you have not picked up that book, it's a tiny book. You can almost read it in one sitting. Um, and it's also because it's written in very short chapters. It's one of those books that you can just pick up and randomly open and read, you know, an individual entry at any point if you're feeling blocked or stuck or just feel like you need some sort of inspiration. But I do think that that resistance can be particularly pervasive at this point because it can be related to the judgment that we're receiving from other people. Mm. Um, not as much in terms of 
uh, self-judgment, although that can show up here too, but because, like I said, this stage is so visible, it is so out in the open, we're not hiding ourselves anymore as a creative person, that when outside influences start coming into play, that that can re resistance can really stick its head up. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for humoring me on that question. It just came to my mind as you were talking about it, because maybe it's just me, but that's something I no. think of. <laughs> it actually reminded me, too, of one of my favorite uh, authors and teacher, Car Carolyn Mace, spelled M-Y-S-S. -S. Mm -hmm. um, I was at a uh, conference where she was speaking, and we were talking about, I asked a question, how come, how come it is when I get ready and I go into the next level personally or spiritually that I find myself reverting back to old patterns. Oh yeah. I made this, you know, growth and progression. She, and she said, that's a great question. She said, anytime we step into something new and our fear comes up, it, we will automatically reach for those old patterns which were comforting to us, may have served us in the past. It's mm -hmm. just a natural reflex uh, to do that. She said, that really isn't the problem. The problem is, do you stay there? Mm -hmm. You may do it, but do you stay there? Or do you recognize, hey, look at me do this thing, you know, reach back into my past for comfort or whatever it is. And she said, then to make different choices. Mm. And yeah, that, that's beautiful. Yeah. That has always stuck with me. And, and I think for me personally, this step um, um, is challenging at times because, as certainly has been in the past, because it's not just me inside my head but me now declaring in some way to the world, I am a writer. Big, scary words. Big, scary words. Yeah. <laughs> and in declaring that, putting that out into the world, um, there's the danger of other people's opinions getting into your head too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It, 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 I, I appreciate you sharing that about um, Carolyn Mace, because it, it, in a way it's related to this last little point that I wanted to make when, so there is the, the tendency for us to reach back into the old habits when things seem to be going good. There's also the danger at this stage when it feels like things are going well, that we're getting some acknowledgement that we might be getting some accolades all that can feel really good but there's a danger that the creative might get comfortable in that and just sort of settle here in this stage because that can mm -hmm. feel good right yeah. and you just want to kind of kind of wallow in that for a while and then what happens is that the creative doesn't fully live into their complete potential the yeah. other the other thing that could happen is that long term if the creative has taken that approach and sort of settled into this stage because it sort of feels good but they're not stretching themselves anymore then long term they might get bored 
And hopefully that would be the impetus to take them into the next stage called trusting the process, which of course we're not talking about today, but just, you know, that may, may be the propeller <laughs> into the next stage. Or like I said, you, you know, the creative might just decide they're going to wallow and people saying, oh, you're really good and just kind of stay here and not really stretch themselves any further. And then they're not living up to their full potential. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple questions for you ladies. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> never, <laughs> never fear. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a couple questions, but I'm going to pose them a it's the same question posed in a little bit of a different way because we all sort of come from different places in terms of the kinds of writing that we do. And when we started our writing and when we started living mm -hmm. into this uh, idea of being a creative person. So when it comes to your identity as a creative person, thinking about the kinds of responses and reactions from your friends and your family or maybe from new groups that you've gotten involved in and maybe even strangers. First, I'll go to you, Melody. Do you remember what it felt like when you first stepped into your creative identity publicly and you revealed to the people in your life that you wanted to be a writer? Tell me, tell me a little bit about like, how did that go? What did it feel like? And how did you navigate that? What were the reactions that you got? Uh, so there was a couple of different steps for me. First of all, it was almost 30 years ago that I can't even remember how I found out about it, but I saw at the senior center, they had a writing critique group. And I had been playing around with a novel and I thought, well, that'd be a good place to go learn about my writing. So I kind of showed up. It was a great little group. It's got, there's one or two people in there are still friends to my day, this day. They were really helpful and supportive. It was sort of like the first time I had publicly presented my work. We'd read and then people would offer feedback. Mm -hmm. so there, it was a good experience for me and really helped my writing a lot. Um, now, revealing this to the people in my life was a different process altogether. So um, my husband at the time, when I started, you know, he didn't bother so much with the novel, but when I started writing some more personal things and I submitted them and got them accepted, really bothered him. He was okay with me being a writer, but, and it wasn't like I was writing about him, so um, but that really bothered him a lot. And we had several high level discussions about, uh, my writing, but whatever it was at that time, it, that did not deter me. I kind of concluded that's his issue, not really mine. And I just kept writing. Now, the first time I ever said out loud, I am a writer which is different than I'm writing things for me. Cause that was, mm -hmm. that is that as my identity mm -hmm. um, uh, was to my partner partner at the time. And it was actually during the process of 
or just before somewhere around the time I was started writing my book. And um, it kind of felt weird to my own ears to claim, say, I am a writer. It felt a little presumptuous of me. Hmm. Um, just because I hadn't ever claimed that hmm. um, for myself. And his response was he laughed. Ooh. Yeah. Ouch. Ooh. Yeah. And I, Not again, cool. I mean, there's a lot of things people have done that hurt my feelings, but apparently that was not one of them because I, <laughs> I just looked, like, looked at him like whatever uh, and just kept on. It did not deter me at all. Mm -hmm. um, so I just pretended he didn't even say it. <laughs> Good for you. Good for uh, you. Yeah. I, I applaud you for your resilience in terms of both responding to how your husband at the time, um, you know, sort of put up whatever uh, blocks that he put up. And then, you know, I think that that with you t telling your partner that and it not bothering you or maybe it bothered you and you dismissed it, however, it, however it, it played out that you were able to do that because even though it might have felt a little weird or, or or a little foreign to you you knew that that was the truth of you mm -hmm. you know that being mm -hmm. a writer was mm -hmm. was true to you and so that i applaud you for being able to embrace yeah thank you um it really i was kind of surprised that it didn't bother me more than it did but apparently I had grounded myself. I'd come to accept it enough. I knew, I knew there was no question I would be writing and finishing this book, which was no small task. Mm. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I guess you can cl claim you're a writer. <laughs> you invested your time and energy and money into it. Mm -hmm. mm. Mm. I, I, I'll add too that I think you were really lucky in engaging with a group that from the outset was supportive because that doesn't always happen for writers yeah. we've talked yeah we've talked a lot before about my love hate relationship with critique groups and so <laughs> um you know i your story is a really good example of how important that can be for a writer in terms of at the very beginning of the writing process, making sure you're surrounding yourselves with the right kind of, of supporters. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I just, I'm sure that that would have had to have contributed to your later resilience with your husband and your partner, because you had gotten some validation from that group. Mm -hmm. it, it is true. And I got some uh, great encouragement and good compliments on my writing. So yes, that did help that a lot. Excellent. Excellent. So I'm going to frame this question a little bit differently for you, Kimbu, since you've, at, at least to my knowledge, you've always claimed your identity as a writer, probably from like thumb-sucking age. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So I'm curious if maybe there was a time when you were in an, in an engaged with a new group that didn't know at first that you were a writer 
but then later learned of it. And how did that go? You know, again, how did that feel to you once your identity as a writer was revealed? Well, I think the, the, the real question is there is, because you've pointed out, I was, I've identified as a writer from very, very young age, right? So for me, it's less about the times that I was talking about where I was a writer, which felt very natural, right? Like, well, yeah, I'm a writer. I do. I write like that's, that's what I do. I don't have any problems with that telling anybody that except when I did. So for me, the flip side is hiding it, purposefully hiding it, mm. purposefully, purposefully, you know, holding back that I am a writer and say, well, you know, I can, I can do some technical writing or I can do a little bit of copywriting if you need me to, or, you know, um, not talking about any fiction writing, like purposefully hiding it. And there's a, there's a, there's, and I don't want to make a one-to-one -one because it's certainly not, um, but I have always liked the, the frame of the queer community on coming out, right? So coming out is not a thing you do. Coming out is something that you have to do repeatedly over and over and over again. You might come out to your family, but then you might come out to your coworkers. You might come out to the people you go to class with or school with. Then you might come out to strangers you met at a party. Like it's an ongoing thing. It never stops mm -hmm. in our society. And so for me, uh, not obviously, like I said, don't want to make a one-to-one -one correlation there for obvious reasons, but for me, being a writer admitting that publicly was more along those lines of finally saying i'm not going to hide who i am anymore because i am a writer and i've always been a writer or more accurately a storyteller and i need to own that and so most of the time i think the times that i did it i kind of gauged the safety valve type uh, of thing like mm -hmm. are these people i trust are these people i'm okay with i do remember when i was working in higher ed at florida state university where i was specifically in a role that had nothing to do with writing i was the uh, assistive technology coordinator for the student disability resource center I had nothing to do with writing and at the time i had written a few romance novels and published them under a pen name in order to keep it separate from my professional life right in mm -hmm. the higher ed environment and one of my bosses i trusted and told her that i was a romance writer because i knew that she liked the kind of books that i read and i was like hey maybe you want to read this and she was like oh that's great and i remember a few weeks later she was talking to one of our colleagues and she just turned to them and said did you know kimbu is a romance novelist she writes books Whoa. under a pen name gulp right <laughs> <laughs> And I was kind of, I really had, I remember that moment vividly, not because I was mad at her, upset, I was a little discombobulated, but because I had not, I had not told her it was a secret. I just had assumed that she would know that that was kind of on the down low. Mm. Um, so I can't really hold her accountable for that. But that was a moment where it really made me question the premise, as Becca Sign is always saying, you question the premise. Why am I hiding this? Why am I not mm. owning this thing I know to be true about myself? Mm -hmm. And I think from that moment, which was probably 2015, was really the start of the journey of me coming out as a writer to everybody equally all across the board and simply learning to be myself because I had to do that. Some people can have multiple pen names and just 
write multiple genres and they they love it that's how their brain works but reconsolidating my writing under my name and making it all my work has mm -hmm. been a very important process for me and i can kind of point to that moment of you kind of being forcibly revealed as a romance writer to somebody who i would never have ever told themselves because this other person told them uh yeah it kind of put me on the spot it maybe had forced me to rethink some things i didn't consciously put together when i was preparing for this episode but you talking makes me recall how over the last i don't know year or so you've been pulling together all of the pieces of your writing that are under the pen names and under your own name and putting them all under this umbrella of house of york mm -hmm. and that is a an actual like tangible representation mm -hmm. of uh, integrating your creative identity. Yep, here I am. I am. I am your uh, example for the day. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's exactly what it is, and one reason why I named my my business House of York because mm -hmm. I've got my grief memoirs and my new grief blog about being an adult orphan patients of fortitude i've got my fiction across multiple genres i've got my non-fiction craft book for other writers and of course mm -hmm. the advice is always well put one under each pin name and then you could focus your marketing and all that sort of stuff but i i have i have fought hard to be integrated damn it <laughs> like i am ready to be integrated with all of these versions of me being who I am. Sorry, I got awesome. my soapbox a little bit. No, I, I <laughs> love it. I love it too. I love that analogy. And I got to thinking for my own history. And I think it is a actually a very appropriate analogy of coming out as a writer because it is it's a an extremely vulnerable and personal thing mm -hmm. to claim for yourself. Yeah, I think on the personal level, I can see that. So, yeah. I, you know, but I, I, I agree. It is, a, it is a matter of vulnerability, which is why I was so thrown when I was kind of forcibly revealed to someone I yeah. had not land on it. And yeah, it was, it's like- Could have been some, very upsetting. Like, Yes, yeah, exactly. I've lost track of how many writers that I've worked with as an editor who, when they finished their book or they were in the process of, they were going to write under a pen name. Now, people have a lot of different reasons for mm. wanting or needing to write under a pen name, but I'm going to say 95 times out of 100, it was simply because they had not yet owned this idea of them being a writer. Mm-hmm. That they had, they couldn't say the words, I am a writer. They couldn't claim that identity. No. Are you all familiar with the concept that um, Julia Cameron talks about in her book, The Artist Way, called The Shadow Artist? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah, so the shadow artist is someone who has the longing, has the desire, so they're probably carrying inner disquiet if you've listened to our previous episodes, and yet um, they sort of hide behind other creative people. Mm -hmm. And I realized uh, well into my 
career as an editor that that was what I was doing oh, and that I was afraid to come out as a writer myself, that I was being the shadow artist. Yeah. Mm. And I would do, you know, I would do my writing, but I wasn't talking about it. And, you know, <laughs> it's I was kind of your version about... of a pen name. Like, it's not really me. I'm not really doing it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm. So being able to, um, to publicly say I am a writer has been a very slow evolution that has come about in Mm -hmm. uh, various steps and stages. And one of them was that recognition that I was using my, um, my professional career as an editor to hide behind that and sort of keep my own writing under wraps Mm. and that it was time to not do that anymore, which is what I've spent the last year attempting to do. Mm. So I am very much in this integrating creative identity stage. And there are still, it's interesting because there are still people in my life who are not fully aware of all of the creative things that I'm doing and all the things that I'm putting wow. out into the world. And I find myself questioning why I haven't been more overt in mm, sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know the answer to it, but I'm working on it. Well, I, I have to also add that there may be some wisdom involved in revealing that and who you reveal that to as mm-hmm. well. Sort of like yeah. we talked about in previous sure. episodes about critiquing and being very conscious of who you're handing your work off to. Mm-hmm. Um, so at a different time in my life, you know, both my second husband and my former partner's comments would have really uh, left a mark and maybe just possibly even put it down altogether mm-hmm. at a time where I didn't have the inner resolve or the inner uh, strength that I had developed over time. And so there, I think there could be some wisdom in how and whom you decide to reveal your work within some this is like you know if you're writing fantasy or erotica and you have uh, a job that could suffer because mm-hmm. of that knowledge you mm-hmm. really do need to be aware yeah that's true too that's very true but i think you know gina watching you go through this process too i mean you're now posting chapters of your book in progress dancing at the orange peel up on ream in serialized format like you've really yeah you've owned it girl you owned it well yeah. and what i what i realize as as uh, melody was talking just now was that a time comes when you no longer have the privilege of choosing who sees your writing once you get a certain mm-hmm. body of work that's mm-hmm. out there especially like kimbu you know you've got so much out there <laughs> Like you don't know who's going to go on Amazon and buy it. You don't have the, you don't no, have don't. the luxury of choosing who sees mm-hmm. your creative work. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the resilience really comes in is the, you got to have that kind of like, I don't really care what anybody else thinks attitude sometimes, because of course you want to, you want your writing to have an effect on the reader and you hope that it's the effect that you intend to have. But there comes a time when the artist has so much of their work out there that they no longer have any control over who sees it and what the opinions of it are going to be. Yeah, that's true. We just got to be comfortable with that. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have a choice at some point. (laughs) 
Well, I think at this point, we've covered that topic a little bit. I mean, I, we could probably keep going on, but I know we've got no another, another, we're going to be, we actually, we are going to be continuing it into the next episode uh, because Melody, we're going to be um, looking at the seasons of writing perspective. And mm -hmm. if you could give us a little bit of sneak peek on what the next episode is going to be, and then we can wrap up and move on. Yeah. Kimbu, the, um, this specific topic about, you know, claiming and integrating your creative identity, for me, most specifically falls within the season of fall. Yeah. Fall is the season about knowing and valuing who you and what you are mm. and owning it. So that to me has a direct connection to this Definitely. topic. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And we'll be digging into that on the next episode, which will be episode 37. We appreciate you listeners uh, listening in, joining us here. If you can give us a thumbs up or a heart or whatever, wherever you're listening to us. Um, if you go to our website, there'll be, um, you have access to our downloads and resource links and transcript and there's links to all that in the show notes and a so, worksheet and a worksheet yep we got we got plenty of stuff for you there at our website so please check us out give us some reviews and at the website you can also ask a question if you go to the episode uh, uh, page there is a comment form that you can fill out we'd love to hear your questions or comments or ideas for future episodes we're always up to hearing what our listeners might want to hear us talk about so please do that and we appreciate you joining it joining us for today and we look forward to being with you again soon bye everybody bye thanks for joining us around the writer's table please feel free to suggest a topic or a guest by emailing info at aroundtheridertstable.com music provided with gracious permission by langtree a link to their music is on our homepage at AroundTheWritersTable.com. Everyone here around the Writers Table wishes you joy in your writing and everyday grace in your living. Take care until next time.